as I started digging, it was very easy to find all of the stories of every neighborhood in this book. But it was not in one place. So you couldn't see the patterns so clearly. And so, yeah, part of it, like, this is partial, like, infrastructure, history, whatever. Also, like, part memoir. Like, me going through my journey of, like, processing the ways I've benefited and privileged from this city that was built by and for people who look like me. And for those of you who can't see me, I am a white cisgender male. Um, <laughs> as if Colin Yarbrough, well, if the name Colin Yarbrough didn't like trigger that. Well, <laughs> like, let me, I didn't want to just, put that out yeah, there. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Um, <laughs> I do think there's just, there are some elements like it's too, I think it's too much for some people. Um, it's a it lot, is, though. It's a lot to engage with. It's a lot to confront the ways we benefit and privilege um, from the built environment um, to even think about the built environment. I think, you know, not only our shadow shelves, but our shadow city. Like, we have a shadow city that is in pain right now as a collective. Yeah. And we will never get to an equitable or just future until we tap in and heal and repair that shadow that is our city which is also the shadow of all of ourselves hello lovely listeners and welcome back to another episode of overshare with me genevieve your mentor on your spiritual journey your guide to self-actualization i am so grateful to have you back for another week hitting that reset button with me I'm super excited today. Uh, We are moving on from grit and all things to do with grit. And we're going to be talking about some other things, my lovely listeners, uh, that have to do with facing your reality, your shadow. We're going to talk about that and how important it is to acknowledge and see and connect with your shadow and how impactful that can be. So today's episode is about how shadow uh, work creates true human connection. And I'm so excited to have Colin on today. Uh, Colin Narborough, yes, he uh, decided to grace me with his presence today on the show. (laughs) I I actually, I became aware of him and his efforts through a local book reading and you guys may remember uh claudia and john of whose books they were on the podcast i think last year they came on and told their amazing story about how they got started in the neighborhood and that's where i found colin i showed up and i stalked him and he is the author of a book called paved away infrastructure policy and racism in an american city and you guys may be thinking well what the heck does that have to do with mindset and (laughs) shadow work but we're gonna get there my lovely listeners i took a long time kind of piecing this together because really acknowledging kind of our history and the blights of our history and things of that nature connect with who we are as people too on an individual level so i really wanted to talk about that today um, and just kind of bring it back together and also kind of emphasize how the the more we better ourselves, the more we can better our community. So I think that's kind of the focus. And I, again, I'm a Dallas girl, so I've been here all my life in this area. I've moved around quite a bit um, in the Metroplex. So this is kind of near and dear to me. Yeah. And I'm always very um, proud of being from Texas and... 
being born here, which is crazy. Aren't now we all? I, I said, now I don't know how to feel about it after almost getting through his book, y'all. And I, I highly recommend you get it. I think I started reading it at the beginning of the week and I haven't been able to put it down. You should, you guys, I'll, I'll take a picture and post it on That's social media because, well, I'm a nerd though when it comes to stuff like this. So now like I can't drive through Dallas without thinking about this stuff, Colin. So, good. So thanks. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so with that said, uh, Colin, tell the lovely listeners a little bit about a little bit about you because i know you have an interesting kind of trajectory here from where you started and where you are now in terms of what you're doing yeah um also i'm not dallas born i was born in houston but i same thing i'm still texas yeah i'm, I'm still, still texan texas. i'm still texan yeah um got to dallas as quick as i could um <laughs> much love to my friends in houston um eh. and <laughs> 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 um but yeah i grew up here in dallas uh, mostly lived all of my life in north dallas yeah. Um, and, uh, when I went to school, I went to school in upstate New York. I got as far away from Texas as I could, like almost out of the country, um, and didn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, this was not part of what I thought was in my future was to come back and be here in Texas, uh, cause it's really hot and that, that doesn't jive for me. Um, but I ended up coming back, um, and I worked for the local gas company, uh, Atmos Energy. For, really? Yeah, for uh, about seven or eight years. Uh, that is, it's the kind of quote family business. Like it's not like we don't own Atmos Energy. It's <laughs> like it's a big company. Um, but my grandfather was a chemical engineer at Exxon Mobil. My dad worked uh, as a lawyer for Atmos Energy. And okay. Gas for his entire career. So it was like, without my like wanting to and resisting as much as I could, I ended up back into the family business, um, working at the, the gas company. And I worked there as an engineer um, and a compliance manager for yeah seven or eight years. Um, but there was always this moment. And that's why when you sent me the outline for what we were gonna be talking about today, I like freaked out. You freaked out? Because Did I freak you out? You freaked me out because um, <laughs> this idea of like our shadow selves or um, our shadow artist as Julia Cameron in the artist's way um, talks about that was really kind of what necessitated me leaving Atmos. Um, it was a lot of the reason I left is this feeling of, this doesn't feel like who I am and who I'm called to be. Um, yep. Yeah. So left that, was helping my mom with our nonprofit bakery. Um, that's a whole other story we could talk about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have time to, to talk about. Um, but I ended up back in grad school and I started in seminary. Like I was going back to get theological training um, but I had some friends who were like, Hey, you're an engineer. You might enjoy some of these classes over in this design program that SMU has. I was like, Oh, okay. So I took this class context and impact of design, uh, in the spring of 2020. <clears throat> and, um, that's where I was writing a paper on central expressway and trying to understand the yeah. context and impact of central expressway as a design yeah. thing. And <clears throat> I remember February 17th, uh, 2020, I was researching and I found an article, a New York Times article on Central Expressway. And it says like Friedman Cemetery uncovered or something like that. And that's yeah. when I first found out about um, the 1157 bodies of formerly enslaved people that were moved to make space for the highway. Some of those being paved over during the original construction in the forties. And it was this moment in my life where I had been running away from engineering, thinking that was not the fulfilling thing for my life. And 
it was the first time where I, I saw these ideas of like justice that I was learning about from like a biblical and theological perspective yeah. and seeing how justice is either carried out or not carried out in the built environment. It was just like this complete click, click, all the gears turning, and I haven't looked back since. Um, and so I've been on this quest. That's where the book came out of, that paper, because um, I kept finding patterns and patterns and patterns of injustice in our city. Um, and I've continued on to do my PhD at SMU, um, working on how do we prevent this from happening again? So just to kind of reemphasize, you went from civil engineering mechanical actually. oh i thought it was civil i was mechanical now i'm civil oh okay oh, oh now you're civil okay i'm sorry so <laughs> no, that's right my on. mistake no you're good so an engineer something really technical what yeah. prompted you to do just someone told you about that course and then that led you into more like seminary stuff it kind of just took you down that path well it was seminary that i then abandoned i was doing seminary training and i wasn't feeling you know when you're just like sitting around in a class and you're like man these people are really like engaging in the conversation and have like yeah. a lot of deep burning questions. I yeah. was like, I don't have those questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking the same questions as everybody else in here. Like I could do the work. Like I understood, like I could, you know, like I've grown up in the church and I was like, I get this, I can do this. Yeah. But I could tell there was a difference between the way some people in my classes were called and the ways I was probably not feeling called in some ways. But once I found out about the Friedman Cemetery. That was like the trigger. It was a trigger for me. And I tell people, I joke with people now that I say like, I'm doing infrastructure ministry. And I genuinely believe that. Like I am going about working to kind of like recreate the kingdom because we've done a good job of destroying it. So when you say, what was, what was, what was the phrase that you, what infrastructure, infrastructure ministry? ministry. Yeah. <laughs> infrastructure ministry. So does that mean you're empowering people to understand and give them knowledge about what they can and can't do in their neighborhoods? Is that kind yeah. of what goes? Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, not to, not to lean too much into it, but it's kind of the discipleship of like, all right, how do we, how do we get people to engage, um, in themselves and see the ways that they're able to bring about change in their neighborhoods because um, everybody has the power within them already. It's just yeah. unlocking that and creating the, the, the pathways for that power to be actualized. I, I agree. And I think that that's why I, which is weird because you said that it freaked you out with the episode topic today <laughs> because of the whole, the whole shadow thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are kind of familiar with the shadow or the id or yeah. the inner person or your alter ego, or there's a lot of words for it that you, my lovely listeners have probably heard, you know, through school, through media, through whatever, but it's this idea of the second self living inside of you. Right. And, but it's not just just like another person like your shadow is something that it's like everything that we don't want everything that we're ashamed about everything that we fear everything that we're insecure about um it's this image you know we don't really deal with it and yeah. i thought that was so prevalent because you know if you go through therapy or whatever kind of thing and you know you go through your journey of self-actualization you know you do all this inner work and it's all like positive, like, oh, it's like energy and it's healing yeah. and it's all those wonderful things, which is great. I'm not saying that. I'm a huge advocate for that. This whole podcast is nothing but hippy dippy stuff. And I love it. <laughs> I love every minute of it. But in the nitty gritty of certain things, like dealing with the parts of ourselves that we don't 
necessarily quote unquote like is so important because it gives us a conduit to have one an authority like you said giving people the power to understand that they can change and they can make a change and also it gives you that confidence to understand that you're not just this perfect person like you're not just this perfect person and you don't come from this perfect place which is again this paradox of going back and forth to and i that's why i said i had really mixed emotions y'all about yeah. reading colin's book because it's like i'm i just i just i was talking to him before we started the episode it's like i'm like i said i'm so proud to be from dallas and from texas and after reading this book i'm like <laughs> like some of the things that i read in here were awful like to just like i said no no that can't be that can't be true you know because you know my lovely listeners that are listening in dallas i think something that stuck out to me was um that Highland Park was a black neighborhood. Crazy. Like when you think about that, and if y'all know what I'm talking about, when you hear things like that, I just, it's insane to think about the shift and about how things are happening now. Yeah. You know, it's just this weird juxtaposition and it reinforces the fact that I think people still need to do more shadow work. People yeah. are still n- needing to understand uh, this idea that there's a part of you that exists within yourself that you may not be happy with but it's there to provide you with the power to tap into that will give you um i don't know this kind of social dynamic that is very unique um so that's what we're we're really talking about today um i did want to kind of talk about archetypes and man that's the build-up for the episode (laughs) (laughs) that's all great the the shadow oh the carl well all of that well i mean we just did that's incredible carl i mean you know my lovely listeners carl young is very um renowned psychotherapist psychiatrist whatever you know carl young and all of that comes in through here and i was like well how do i make this fit with colin like how do i make this fit with colin but it fits so well because the more that we understand that about ourselves, we create, and this is another one of my mindset vocabulary, my level listeners, we're in mindset vocabulary right now, uh, is this whole idea of a whole social matrix. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this interconnected web of like human beings that generates like healing energy. Mm. But the only way that we can do that is to understand that we have to identify our shadow yeah. our, and, and create a relationship with it. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that because I feel like that's what you've kind of done in this book, Mm. right? Because you've, there's personal stories in it too, right? So there's personal stories about people's experiences in the Dallas area that have been here since for for a very long time, that have lived here for a very long time, have seen like the changes, but also just how it pushes people to face the reality of our bubble, and but nobody like i went to texas history i went through texas history and i learned about some of these things that you mentioned in your book but you know on such a local level um i think that there's a real lack of knowledge about that and i think the question that i always had when i was reading your book was is it because people don't want to know or is it because you know they that was the only thing I could think of in my head that they just don't want to know, right? Or was this really hard to find out? This information that you put together in this book, was it? No. See, this is... <laughs> All I did 
was bring a bunch of stories and put them together in one place. Because as I started digging, it was very easy to find all of the stories of every neighborhood in this book. But yeah. it was not in one place. So you couldn't see the patterns so clearly. And so, yeah, part of it, that like, this is partial, like, infrastructure, history, whatever. Also, like, part memoir. Like, me going through my journey of, yeah. like, processing the ways I've benefited and privileged from this city that was built by and for people who look like me. And for those of you who can't see me, I'm a white cisgender male. Um, <laughs> as if Colin Yarbrough, well, if the name Colin Yarbrough didn't like trigger that. Well, <laughs> like, let me, I didn't want to put that out there. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Um, <laughs> I do think there's just, there are some elements like it's too, I think it's too much for some people. Um, it's a it lot, is, It's a lot to engage with. It's a lot to confront the ways we benefit and privilege um, from the built environment, um, to even think about the built environment. I think, you know, not only our shadow shelves, but our shadow city. I like, know. we have a shadow city that is in pain right now as a collective. Yeah. And we will never get to an equitable or just future until we tap in and heal and repair that shadow that is our city, which is also the shadow of all of ourselves. Um, and I don't, I don't know if people are ready to, to deal with that because it's, 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 it's tough to engage in that conversation and reflect in ourselves. It's just kind of, I think maybe too, it hits closer to home because, well, for me, maybe, and not all these people are moving here from everywhere, but, you know, I've been here forever, you know, and maybe I hold it closer or take it more personally, maybe, you know, when I read things like that. Yeah. And I'm a minority or I consider myself a minority. So I, 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 it's a different narrative for me too, you know? But I'm, I still feel very privileged in terms of what the city has provided me. Yeah. But it's just the not knowing. It's like the ignorance yeah. is bliss situation where it's just this, you know, I just thought what's going on today is going on today. Mm. You know, when I picked up the book and I started reading through it and I was like, wow, like in 1886, this was happening on, you know, another, <laughs> in another yeah. weird type of, you know, matrix that was going on yeah. at the time. But still the same dynamics were happening you know and it's i think too looking around especially driving around dallas lately uh, you know when i see all this construction and all these things i didn't even think about it before you know and now when i drive by and i see all this construction i'm like well what's that gonna do or what's that gonna affect or why are they doing that they were doing that in my neighborhood this week they you know dug a big hole in the ground because if somebody hit the uh the gas line mm. and they had to dig a hole cause they're doing new construction in my neighborhood. They're building a bunch of condos in my neighborhood and I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's this sense of, uh, I don't know. I don't know the right word to use my lovely listeners, but it's kind of like a curtain. Yeah. Like as long. And I, I do want to, I do want to um, reference this part in Colin's book. Cause I think he, he references this whole idea of like a cut like a wound yeah you know and i feel like we like your shadow i don't know if it's your wound 
Mm. But like, unless you can actually identify it, like it's never going to heal. You, there is another, I just got through the 10th street chapter too, yeah. yep. with, it talks about, you know, well, if we continue to create bleeding, then we'll never be able to heal. Yeah. And going back to the whole cut thing, and you do reference Monty Python, which I'll be, <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I've never, I've, it's never been for me. I don't yeah. know why. I can't. That's I don't, okay. It's just not my thing. Mr. Bean, all British comedy is okay. I just, I don't know. Monty Python never. Uh, it's definitely, a, it is definitely a unique acquired taste. taste. <laughs> so, uh, but you, you aching it to like a flesh wound. Right. So I wanted to read this passage because I love how you write, you wrote this in terms of going back to empathy because it says it's an arm's length empathy and I move on with my life for the person experienced the cut. It's a completely different feeling. The initial shock of the cut creates a winds of pain and the flowing blood brings additional concern. How did this happen? How did it go through the skin? How do I clean this up? Is this life threatening? Will this become infected? How do I bandage this up and stop the bleeding? These and other questions race through our minds when we bleed. Surrounded by the proper resources or first aid kits, responding to a cut is a simple act carried out with very little thought. Clean the wound, apply some antibiotic ointment, and cover with the bandage simple. But what if you find yourself bleeding with no access to bandages or other first aid supplies? Personally, I panic frantically, searching for anything to cover the cut and stop the bleeding. When I am finally able to MacGyver a bandage together, it tends to be more aptly described as creative than as simple. More effort is required to achieve a non-bleeding state where a bandage can be found and applied and a proper healing can take place. As the article title suggested, a neighborhood like 10th Street might know a thing or two about this feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. As I was, <clears throat> I was actually in 10th Street on Tuesday. I know. I saw your social media. <laughs> I said, I just read about that Colin. I, I had to message him because now I'm like, I won't, sh- I just told Colin, I said, I won't shut up about this now. Anybody who will listen, I'll be like, did you know this? Did you know this about Harry? Ha- did, you, did, <laughs> like, did you know this happened? Let me tell you. Genevieve's just running around the city. Did you know? Did you know? Yes. Do you know where you're walking right now? Yes. And I mean, I'm, I am, I am that way too. Um, I mean, thankfully now all of my friends no. know enough and I don't yeah. have to like point things out or they'll point things out to me. I'm like, yeah, sounds <laughs> like it's working. Um, but it was like the cuts are still coming to 10th Street. Homes are still being demolished. Homes are still, they're now catching fire. Um, and it's, it's all parts of these systemic issues in the city of Dallas. And it's like, and I think you're right. It's, it's not just issues of today. These are... Um, these are uh, patterns that are, uh, what's the word, what are, that are rippling out through mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger as they keep going over time. And it makes it that much harder to clean up the wound. And yeah. I was listening to a podcast yesterday of someone who was talking about 10th Street. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Stephen Monticelli. He just did a Texas Monthly article um, on 10th Street, which I highly recommend to everyone. I'm reading, but he's like, you know, now it, it would cost so much money now to fix what has been lost, what's been broken to help residents repair their homes yeah. and to fix like the largest intact Freedman's town in the country. He's like, it would have cost us so much less money <laughs> to have stopped this up front. But now it's just like, Again, you can't like, stop the flow of blood. It's yeah. just like, it's, it's a seemingly insurmountable challenge. 
And just for my lovely listeners, because this is kind of, you know, I, I, I do like to think that since, you know, the local elections are coming up in yeah. June that I wanted to kind of focus the podcast. Still on mindset, because we want, I want y'all to be the best virgin, versions of yourselves that you can. But, you know, I really think that local community and your lo- local level politics is really where you have the most um, say, the most voice, the most potential for impact. So... Um, hopefully I'm not pivoting too far uh, off of all of this um, and just kind of the usual format of the show, but there's just so much. But I wanted you to talk about, kind of just give like a brief, like what is a Freedman, what is a Freedman's Town for the level listeners so that they yeah. can kind of <clears throat> understand what that means and how, what, yeah. the dynamics and all of that. So they yeah. can kind of have a visual of what we're talking about. Yeah, I was like, we're using a lot of insider language here. <laughs> um, so Friedman's Town is, um, generally speaking, it's an area um, where formerly enslaved people, um, generally after emancipation, went um, and bought property to start settlements mm-hmm. um, after, after emancipation um, and happened all across the country. Um, Freedman's towns all over the place. Dallas had multiple Freedman's towns. You yeah. had uh, the North Dallas Freedman's town, which is now uptown. Um, you had the 10th Street Freedman's town, which is uh, in Oak Cliff, East Oak Cliff. Um, which will soon be Bishop Arts. Eventually. Yeah, I was going to say if Bishop Arts keep, continues expanding <laughs> west um, or east. Um, and then you had the little Egypt Freedman's town over north of White Rock Lake. You had Alpha Lake. There are Freedman's towns all over the place. And there were these spaces where um, f- people who are formerly enslaved like, were taking control of land and taking control of their destiny for the first time in generations yeah. and building up incredible places and that's what i really wanted to highlight in this yeah in the book because i was like we talk so much about this you know the quote slum or the blight or the whatever and i'm like no that is not the story that i want to say here the story here is the incredible ways that the resiliency the resiliency of these neighborhoods in the midst of segregation and jim crow and all these things and the things they were able to create and the wealth they were able to create and the futures they were able to create for themselves. Um, and I was like, that's the story, and that's what we lost. That's the tragedy yeah. here, is that through the use of infrastructure and things like eminent domain, which is how the, the government can buy, take your land for public use and things like that, that it just frayed away all of these neighborhoods um, and allowed kind of the the, quote, market to take over and redevelop and build a lot of the Dallas we have today on top of it. I, cause I, I understand cause y'all, I definitely recommend getting Holland's book, especially from, if you're from Dallas, but you know, and I was thinking about all this while I was reading it. Cause not only is it about cemeteries, but it, it, it's in terms of like how important freeways are, in our life and you know i think i'll go back to the the chapter in the book where you talk about the freedman's uh, cemetery over there in uptown and i remember that the passage where you said 
I used to I drive I drive here I used to drive here all the time when I you know went out you know my twenties or whatever yeah. and I used to park on the street by my friend's house and you know you you have the question in your mind well why is there a cemetery here in the middle of all this stuff you know all this stuff in uptown and I you know it's funny because subconsciously I'll ask myself those questions too and I do want to talk about kind of the narrative mm -hmm. you know because I think too that goes back to what we're talking about today for the lovely listeners which is getting in touch with your shadow yeah you know it's asking your yourself questions like that too is like yep. the why but going back to the freeways i got it like i understand your 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 premise in terms of well why did they put this highway here yeah but i still went back to the fact that well we need highways right <laughs> Right, I, that's because I I really wanted to ask you that because you're an engineer and obviously there's a part of you that, you know, all of that appeals to you in some way. You, I mean, you don't hate engineering, you don't hate infrastructure. There's no. something that, you know, so would you just say it's just the placement? Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's, I just don't, I can't imagine that we wouldn't have the, the freeways that we have. I mean, there's no way, right? Like I think about that, how could? There is a way. <laughs> there is a way. I mean, but uh, but it depends on the political will and the and the way that the cities are designed. And so our city is designed in such a way that it is inconceivable that we could operate our city without highways. Okay. Okay. And so we've we've created okay. we have created that f that city for ourselves. Okay. Um, That's fair. And so because things are so spread out, and because of the way that we have built up or rebuilt our city. The city we have is very different than the city we've always had. Um, we've become dependent on highways. Um, and that's a reason that DART isn't as great as it can be. It's because we've, that, we've well. made highways so great. <laughs> and so, you know, the public transit systems that we have don't get the ridership that they, should. Make, that they should have that would make them great. And we don't create places that are near the dart stations or near the dart stops. And so you can get a bus to the dart stop. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> you can get a bus yeah. to the dart stop. Right. But not, but it doesn't take you directly. Do you, do you think that there's a city in America that's akin to like some, some, somewhere where it's more friendly in terms of mass transit? I mean, cause you know, you think, well, maybe New York. Okay. I give it to New York, but you know, you think about, European countries yeah. that are more apt to have better public transit systems like the tube in London and you know, yeah. the Metro and Spain. all of those Spain and Paris and whatnot. But yeah. you know, I just, I think it's just a truly American thing is yes. like this open wide highway, you know, route route 66 yeah. and just this idea of what, I don't know. I, yeah. it was really hard for me to understand that paradox in the yeah. book or not understand it. I understood it, but to kind of accept it. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, and you're not alone in that. Um, you know, I just, it's, it is hard, especially when we have so much space in the United States and in Texas for that matter. <laughs> it's like about just Texas has a lot of space and that's why you see so much growth up in Melissa and Anna and all these areas that are North of Dallas. I mean, pretty soon Dallas will be 
You'll get out of Dallas and then you'll be right at the Red River. Please don't sell me that and car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about all that. It scares me. I'm I know, very scared. I know. I'm very scared of all these people moving here. Oh. Stop moving here. You, oh. If you listen to some of the other episodes of my podcast, you'll see that I'm very, very... Um, Protective Trans- of Dallas. No, just transparent about that. Especially <laughs> if I meet somebody who's here out of town. I'm very nice to them and very welcoming, but like you need to go home. Like you need to go home after your visit. Like I'll I'll show you a good time. I'll show you around, but like you need to go back. Oh my god. Because and like I don't know if I should have that mentality anymore. You know, because you know, after reading your book, it's like I don't know, maybe Texas has always kind of had that mentality. Like they uh, wanted it to be the way they wanted it to be. Yeah. And whoever came in they were not very nice to yeah or they kicked them out yeah <laughs> they kicked them out yeah i mean we have a long history of that <laughs> they that's kicked for them sure out. yeah so it's just this and i i realized that i ache in that back to kind mm. of the things that i have to deal with personally too yeah. in terms of just you know my laziness my procrastination <laughs> my you know all these things that are part of my shadow that i yeah. have to work with and it's like i get it but i don't know how to deal with it yeah. And I think that's like the main question too, especially for people that are very kind of like plugged in, which hopefully are a lot of the listeners that are listening right now, you know, to wanting to create a better a better version of themselves and also a better environment that they're living yeah. in, you know, yeah. and how And I don't think you can I don't think you can separate the two. You you ha- I think too it's I think your book does a good job of balancing like the ugly mm. and the beautiful, mm. you know, and I think it goes back to the resiliency in terms of how people survived yeah. at the time with what they had, you yeah, know, absolutely. and, but it was, they were really happy about it. You know, it, it, it's this weird conundrum like, okay, yeah, but there was Jim Crow and you were there and you couldn't, you know, go to the swimming pool at this time or this day or you couldn't go to the fair this day because you're black, you know, and they figured it out. They found a way to have their own neighborhood. And it's funny, too, when you talk about assimilation, because everybody comes, you know, I think about that, too. I'm like, well, you need to assimilate. That you're here, right? You need to figure out like the norms and what you know what yeah. this is about. And you go and you see certain neighborhoods that are, you know, German, Mexican, yeah. black, and you're like, well, why do why do they do that? And it's like your book sheds light on that now too, because they they had to. They yeah. had to do that. They had to, to they had to have their own doctor's offices. They had to have their own grocery stores. They had to have their own places where they could go to, you know, eat or have a drink or yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's, I think what's also interesting and exciting and beautiful uh, is the word I'm looking for is not only that out of necessity, being born out of necessity of segregation, like we literally cannot move anywhere else. Otherwise they're going to bomb us. Yeah. And Dallas and anybody who's read the accommodation in the city of Dallas, they will know like in the thirties, forties and fifties, black people are getting their homes bombed for crossing the line of white and black neighborhoods. But it was this, there's also this, this ability. um, And it's, uh, there's this other book, as you get further in the book, there's a great chapter called Space, Place, and Justice. It's it's really (laughs) theoretical, and it's a little heavy to get through. But there's this great work by Bell Hooks. 
Um, and so black feminist scholar, like just an incredible woman. And she's, she talks about the ways that like people create value and beauty out of something that everybody sees as other and everybody sees as not great. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something Dallas is really good at. Dallas is really good at saying like that place is not great. Deep Ellum full of crime, West Dallas, terrible and full of like industrial stuff. But it's like, no, there's this really liberatory space Mm -hmm. where people are like, you may see it that way just because you think it's that way. Doesn't mean we can't make something incredible and beautiful out of it. And that's what I was really trying to highlight in the book is like, no, people within themselves have the ability to take what is around them and turn it into something beautiful because just because someone may be projecting on their shadow, like, I think your shadow self is terrible. Like, I think you're terrible, but it's like inside, if when people are able to tap into what is inside of them, yeah, you really have that ability to not only transform yourself, but also transform your place um, that's around you. Um, and that's why I think they're so interlinked together. I think to the whole idea of the shadow, it goes back to the fact that it's a universal thing, yeah. right? So your shadow may look different than my shadow, mm-hmm. but they can still talk to each other. Absolutely. And they can still build empathy, which, still, yeah. which, which goes back to that whole thing with your chapter about the flesh wound, like holding empathy at an arm's length. Yeah. Like to really have true empathy for someone or something, like that takes a lot, I think, to be very honest with either yourself or with the situation. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, it goes back to all of that, my lovely listeners, in terms of understanding that either dealing with your shadow or maybe dealing with the shadow of your community, wherever that may be, is not an easy thing and it takes yeah. time. And it's it's figuring out, um, one, what your shadow looks like. I know yeah. that sounds really hippy-dippy, but I, I, I've been kind of using this book too, um, called the tools by Phil Stutz uh, and and Barry Michaels and I've I've talked about this last month with with my lovely listeners and if y'all haven't seen it on Netflix this is Jonah Hill's um, therapist so good Phil Stutz and such a good documentary and the documentary on Netflix is called Stutz if you haven't checked it out checked it out I would definitely check it out my lovely listeners it's quick too I think it's like forty five minutes for the for the um, the Netflix documentary but I of course I, I bought the book. I bought the book for the five tools and Phil, like on first name basis, like yeah. I know him, not, can probably never afford for him to be my therapist for God's sakes. Um, but you definitely feel like you know him once you go through the documentary. Heck yeah. Yeah. Like I want him to draw me a picture. Right. Yeah. Give me some I want my <laughs> I want my own picture for you to draw for me, Phil Stutz. Um, but he talks about the shadow yeah. as an actual, pro- yeah. like you actually have to sit down and visualize it. And that sounds so weird. So it could be like, you know, chubby, fat, you know, whatever. I know that's like really yeah. getting into the nitty gritty yeah. about what, what that may look like in your mind's eye. Um, but I feel like that's also akin to what I had to do with your book mm. in terms of having to, um imagine what it was like in the stories that you were talking about mm. for each neighborhood because you know i've been there yeah i've seen it yeah i've, I've gone to so, so many different places and so many different areas that you talk about in your book but then to like i and i was telling um colin i had to i you know i have to 
put the book down every 10 minutes to look at Google Maps. I'm like, wait, this is there and this is there and this is there. And that connection is really hard to realize. And it's kind of like you've taken the, what is it in the matrix? Which pill is the, oh, the gosh, bad one? I can never remember. I think it's the blue, the red pill. I don't know. I don't know. The one that makes you know all the yes, stuff. Yeah. Whichever one that is. Because it's like, <laughs> once you go down that road, like yeah. you can't ever unsee yeah. it. And I think yeah. maybe that is what a lot of people have a hard time doing because then they kind of feel helpless. Yeah. You know, in terms of, well, now I know, but what do I do? Mm. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So there's this, this idea of geotrauma. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so it's kind of this emerging field of thought. And they're looking at it in terms of how are the ways that trauma that has occurred and the way they've looked at this is through like a county level lynching and how that has affect voting patterns. And lo and behold, <laughs> spaces where places where there were high, highest rates of lynching are correlated to lower rates of voter participation because you don't feel safe out in public and they're so they're looking at all these ways that the way trauma has carried out in the past affects how people interact with the current day environment and so when you talk you know much like on a building much like dallas mm-hmm. dallas has, dallas has a really beautiful facade we are a bright shiny glittery city um, yes we are <laughs> yes we are yes we are i'm <laughs> we, sorry but yes we, yes, we are. are we are i'm very are. proud of how pretty our city yeah, is it is a beautiful it's city beautiful it is a beautiful city for now <laughs> sorry <laughs> like my like <laughs> yes and yet that sh- those shadow neighborhoods yeah are there everywhere and much like we would do with ourselves through therapy or whatever Like, unless we are able to look in and heal that trauma for that neighborhood and those people, Mm -hmm. there's no way our city or ourselves will ever be able to actualize our true potential. And Dallas is a great city now, but just imagine what it could be if we were able to tap into those shadow neighborhoods and really repair that breach. Well, I, I, I want to get into that because I want you to talk about land acknowledgements because mm. I don't think a lot of people really understand what that is. And yeah. I read the steps. I have it written down here from the um, my notes from reading the book. And, you know, it's a simple thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not a simple thing because I haven't actually gone. I was going to say, I for some people it's not a simple thing. Well, in terms of you know, I haven't actually gone to a physical place. Like, for uh, instance, what you did with Friedman Cemetery, mm-hmm. where you actually went and, yeah. you know, did this whole process and went and paid your respect and everything. So I don't know. So I can't really say if it's simple or not. Maybe I should retract that. But the steps seem simple. Yeah. Right. So, and something as um, maybe what seems minute as, as a land acknowledgement mm-hmm. can create this type of healing uh impact i don't know i don't know what word awareness at a a minimum it's an awareness and a recognition of what has been here and continues to be here today and what is carrying through with us um yeah because like land acknowledgements come from like 
you know, the recognition from indigenous, like that we are an indigenous land yes, and everything like where we are sitting right now, yes. wherever you are sitting. Uh, yes. Lovely listeners. <laughs> it is, you are sitting on indigenous land. Um, that was not like, ours, not ours. Um, yeah. And kind of like you said, it's like, once you know, and you have that awareness, you, you kind of carry it with you and it's always in the back of your mind. And you know, whether or not that, <clears throat> is moving you towards uh, greater action or it's just an awareness, but that, that has an influence having that awareness and that continual presence of mind. Make sure that you don't forget. And I don't know how it wouldn't influence decisions you make moving forward. The more you hold it in your mind. Okay. What do you think about, I, and the other thing I wanted to talk about too is, you kind of mentioned it before, is assigning value. Because I have this as one of my, we're kind of all over the place, my lovely listeners today, mindset tools uh, yeah. in order to kind of give you some things to, one, work on your shadow. But one of my, my mindset tools is determine your audience and what value you're assigning to your audience, to your situation. And this goes back with your visual visualization of your shadow, right? Because we all have circumstances where we're anxious, we are nervous, we don't want to be performance anxiety. There we go. Better. Good, Jen. Sum it up. Performance anxiety, right? Or a big event that you're nervous for. And, you know, we're assigning value to that quote unquote audience, whether mm -hmm. it be an auditorium, whether it be one person, whether it be, and I, that like kept shooting through my brain when I was reading your book, because mm -hmm. there was something in here about assigning value and the value of the land and the value of space, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that that, I think that we as humans have a really hard time with that mm -hmm. because we're always doing something. We're always looking at something we're always ingesting information we're always moving we're always you know on social media we're always we have the tv on and there's the ticker there's something coming at us all the time so this idea of space just being space and having value mm -hmm. is i've had to work on it internally yeah. and i know that that's a part of my the figure of my shadow that it yeah. doesn't want to just be in silence or be in an unfilled space mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's also this idea of how do I put that into the community too? How do I identify space? And I, like, I don't want to get swallowed in the narrative, mm. right? Because you talk about so many narratives in this book. And I will say, since you brought up the fact that you're white and that this book is really not about you. I mean, really, it's not about, well, it is about your narrative, but your narrative is the standard. And I thought that that was really interesting because I had never even thought about that until you, I read it. Mm. Like I, I understand, like I could see it, but I didn't even realize that until you said that we compare everything to that. Yeah. That the only thing for your mindset to all my level listeners is be aware of that because you know whether it be through a book, what through a podcast, through however mode of of information or knowledge that you're, you know subjecting yourself to or ingesting like those questions are um important in terms of space and i feel like too 
when we look at neighborhoods like Fair Park and Deep Ellum, I used to live in Deep Ellum. I literally used to live right off of Good Latimer, which is crazy too. And this book will blow you away in terms of like knowing the names and where they come from. I didn't know. I didn't know. And they obviously they all come from usually like white men that work for the the, the rail the railroad or the yeah. highway commission. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I just I, I wanted to get your take on the value of space. You know, that could be either external or internal. You can mm. go wherever you want with that, Colin. Gosh. Um, I think cultivating an awareness, kind of like you said, of who's assigning value. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if, if we're talking about space, kind of external, like city, built environment, whatever. And... I think it's always healthy for us to ask questions of like, who values this? Why do they value this this way? And things like that. It's just simple reflective questions. Of mm -hmm. like, why do we, why do we, yeah. Why do we value Bishop Arts? Why do we value Deep Ellum? Why do we value these other things? Because then you start to tap into, okay, what are the things that are fueling the city? Fueling these ways that uh, feel insurmountable it's like oh then you begin to just identify oh it's this it's this it's this and that then becomes helpful because you start to see and value space differently because you see well this isn't that different than that but we're assigning much more value to that which is exactly what we do with ourselves yes too, right yes um, we're like well this person said this and this person said this but i value this more but why do i value that more it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. But if we're not engaging in that self-reflection of like, you know, nobody can give me value. Only I can value myself. Right? Um, yeah. And, and we don't often realize that unless we're asking those self-reflective questions and we're interrogating why all of these other things have why we have given them the power to influence the way we value ourselves. And I think the same thing is the way that we're interacting with the built environment. And unless we're fully connected with ourselves or we're fully connected with our neighborhoods and our shadows, then, yeah. Do you think that, well, you? I'm afraid to ask this question. Do you think that our prospect is better now than it was before. In what regard? Just the potential to make better decisions about our communities and mm -hmm. how they're built and how they're developed. And, you know, I haven't gone to the gentrification chapter in the book because I'm a little scared to read it. Cause I was scared to write it. Because <laughs> yeah. the is called the G word. It's yeah. not even called gentrification. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because someone actually asked me what gentrification was a mm. couple of days ago. And I was kind of, you know, that to kind of like, yeah, it's that. It's, it's that over there. The, you see it? Yeah. Don't you see it? Yeah. You see it? Yeah. But, you know, to get down <laughs> in the really nitty gritty of it, you know, it's yeah. like, well, it's kind of this and it's a little bit of this and it's a little bit of that and it's a little yeah. bit of zoning and it's a little bit of, yeah. you know, all these, these dynamics coming together, on. you know, 
you know, but when we think of gentrification, we think of it as a dirty word. Well, I do in a word, in a way. It's like the whole thing with um, Bishop Arts. Because when mm-hmm. I hear someone say Bishop Arts, I was like, you mean Oak Cliff? Like Oak Cliff? That's Oak Cliff. You know, that's Oak Cliff, right? We're in Oak Cliff. You know, if you go down to, you know, uh, you know Jefferson Avenue yeah. versus, uh, you know, where all that stuff is on uh, Bishop yeah, the, Avenue. All the and say shops and everything. Which is, I'm not, see, that's the thing. I don't mind those things. Yeah. I frequent those places as yeah. well. I'm not going to not frequent them. Yeah. But do you think that we're doing the same thing that we were doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what the time frame would be anymore because it's like these, I can see these cycles going through from all the way back from the 1800s, the 1900s, and even, you know, talks about some things in your books about the 1930s, the 60s. <laughs> all like the whole thing in terms of all these cycles but now we're more advanced we have all this information we have books like your books that are telling us like this is what happened here's here's the history so with all of that do you think that we're better better potentially equipped to you know have things or have communities like we did before like Freedman cemeteries or free, not cemeteries, but Freedman towns in a way is like that the objective, like that's kind of the utopian, like in your mind's eye, what it would look like, or do you think it's worse now? It's a good question. You know, like I, um, so I think yes and no. <laughs> um, I will not let anybody pin me down. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not trying it's, to pin you down. No, I'm just curious to know where you think we're at. You know, you've done yeah. all the research and you've seen it where is. people are at in different snapshots <laughs> along history. So I just kind of wanted to get your opinion about yeah. today. I think today I do think we have, I think we have much better tools and awareness today okay. than we did. You know, a lot of the things that <clears throat> people were fighting over Back then, whether it was in the North Dallas Freedmanstown, which is now Uptown, you know, those communities were fighting. Like, they were organizing. They were doing a lot of the same things we're doing today. Like, they were organizing, filing lawsuits. Like, we're still, like, those are still, like, tested and tried and tested methods that people use today to fight for their neighborhoods and fight for um, what they need. Um, so we've had some of these tools for a very, very long time, and they're really effective. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think it depends on where you live. That's a good answer. I think it, and that's not only at a local context, but also a state level context. Okay, that's fair. Because I think the ways that governments and agencies operate Mm -hmm. drastically influences the outcomes that are available to the people who live within the jurisdiction of those mm-hmm. agencies. Okay. Um, and that's a lot of what my research is on now. That's a lot of what I'm doing in my PhD work is understanding those variations and how that impacts... Uh, people's lives? Yeah, people's lives and also like inconsistencies and in how justice is applied. Um, right. Because if we are all operating under the same rules and regulations should all be at a federal same. level, to sh- everybody should do it, but it's not. Um, because we're all people and we're all operating in the ways that we see fit. So it's, um, I think in some ways, yeah, I think a lot of the things are still continuing, like TxDOT, 
they're still building highways. They're not going to keep building highways. They're going to keep expanding highways. But Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, mm. Austin, El Paso are all fighting TxDOT like hell. And TxDOT's under like a federal lawsuit right now in Houston for violating civil rights um, things that came up after a lot of these highways were built. Um, so we have a lot of protections. Like we have a lot of ways to, to prevent this now um, that we didn't have, which is great. Um, but a lot of the political forces still continue to, to push things. So that's why I say it, it depends on who you are and where you are and whether or not we're in a better place or we're in more of the status quo. Um, which I know is not a great answer. No, it's a good answer. I just... It's, I, it's the reality. I think it always falls back on the people, right? It does. Because it always falls back on the consumer, which is the Absolutely. other question I was going to ask yeah. you about. Um, I'm assuming... I sh maybe I shouldn't assume. But I was talking with someone the other day as well about capitalism, <laughs> you know? And, you know... Uh, I'm not going to go into that, y'all. I'm not going to go into that, lovely listeners. I'm just saying that oh, I had this conversation with him about capitalism, and e even even despite all of the 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 cons, like that's the system we live in, right? It so, is. Yeah. and I I think that it's it benefits us greatly. I'll just say that it does, and it disenfranchises us as well at the same time. Yep. Um, what do you think as a consumer is their um, most powerful tool besides the awareness in order to, sure. let's say, because, or you can talk about what happened with 10th Street uh, mm -hmm. yesterday. Was it yesterday? You said it Tuesday. Is? Tuesday. Um, maybe events like that where the person has to be responsible or is it going to the court and filing a lawsuit? I, you know, I. I think people feel like they don't know where to turn mm. in terms of maybe that it's happening to their neighborhood. I yeah. see it. I just moved in, but I'm yeah. maybe the problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just bought a new condo <laughs> yeah. in a neighborhood that, I mean, and it's funny because I, I mentioned to you earlier that I haven't shut up about the book for probably yeah. like the last four or five days. Um, and because of that, I've been talking to my neighbors, like, how long have you lived here? Yeah. How long have you, how long have you lived here? And uh, most of the people on that street that I, where I live, they've lived there all their lives. They've lived yeah. there all their lives. They've, their kids grew up in that house. Yeah. Their mom still lives in that house. Their dad, you know, passed away in the house. Like, um, and you know, you start asking them, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about these new condos? And what do you think about that? Like, they have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea what their rights are as a, a homeowner in yeah. terms of losing out to people buying plots or yeah. pe people buying mm -hmm. plots of land. Uh, I think that they don't, I think that they think they don't have any say. Yeah. Or they've been so beaten down by the city or whatever. In fact, on Tuesday night, there was a, a guy who's lived in the neighborhood, the 10th Street neighborhood, <clears throat> for a lot of his life. And he has a home right on the corner, like right abutting I-35. Um, and the home's in such disrepair that he can't, nothing is salvageable. But because of historic protections, he's like, it's going to cost me $200,000 just, it's going to cost me twice as much to repair it than it would be to wipe it off the land and rebuild something. New. Which will then cost a lot of money because he's like, I have to abide by all the historic protections. And he's like, but I've got homeless people 
coming into my house because I can't live there because it's not suitable for human habitation. And literally during the press conference, you saw it. a man and who appeared to be unhoused, well, for a moment, and he opened up, pulled the board back from the front door, walked right inside, and then closed the board back. And the guy was like, see? Like, did anybody see, like, that man is squatting in my house? And he's like, but I can't do anything. Because he's like, if I call the police, they come and issue a citation, or if homeless solutions, like, he's like, I can't. And so people get into this thing where they've tried everything, they feel like they've tried everything, and the system just is not prepared to handle the unique context of a historic marker, historic or, or, place or a historic spot or a historic yeah, space. Yeah. Well, and it gets back to that idea of uh, the wound, the cut. It's like sometimes like well, we've got this thing we can do. We've got this thing we can do. We can get this thing we can do, but we can't like seem to get them all together. And like the blood is still flowing out, but it's like, yeah. well, we've got it mostly covered, but no, we don't. Well, like it's still, it's still coming out over here. And it's like, we just, we still haven't figured out how to unify everything in such a way, in a holistic way from like a city services and a political will manner. And so people, people have so much else going on in their lives. Right, right. The, 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 the thought of engaging is a anything lot. like that, it's a lot. And it feels so technical. And we're lazy. We are. We're, we're lazy. lazy. That's what I was trying to ask you earlier yeah. because I feel like we have all of this potential and all this information, all this this access, but people are lazy. You're lazy. And, and we just want instant gratification and something <laughs> like I'm serious. Yeah. Like and it's kinda like the story in your book about the guy who fought seven years to um yeah. keep his house from the city of Dallas. Yeah. Like people read those stories and they're like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to go through that battle. Yeah. But again, going back to what we're talking about today, lovely listeners, it's about assigning value. It's about yeah. assigning value. What is important to you? What's important to your shadow? How do those two things come together? I really feel like once we're able to combine the darkness and the light, yeah. I feel like that's where true healing lies. And I really think that's where true human connection lies because the more honest we are about what we don't like about certain mm -hmm. things, the more that we're able to find that empathy and then create a solution, which again, like you said, is really complicated. It is, but it all starts with people like you going and talking to your neighbors. And we're so, this they is, were this, so happy to call in that I was yeah, asking them right. those questions because people just want to be seen. They want to tell their story. Told their, yeah. Tell their stories. And this is, so this is the real reason I don't like highways oh. is because everybody's in their cars nobody you want to talk about arms length empathy we're more like cars length empathy from each other because we get in these bubbles and we don't see each other as individuals when we're in our cars and so it always stresses me that's why i love like walking somewhere or um like riding a subway because i like or, or a bus or whatever i like the interaction because there's no barrier between me and that person other than just like myself yeah um and so it offers a much greater chance for connection it's hard to hate people close up. It is. It absolutely mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Um, thank you, Brene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that just kind of fell out. I was like, yeah, no, that is Brene Brown. It is. And that's, <laughs> and like, and I actually, like, I hold that really close. Uh, no pun intended. Like, I, I, I hold that a lot in the work that I do. Um, and because I was so disconnected from all of these neighborhoods, like, I'd never been to any of these neighborhoods because all of my life existed in North Dallas. 
I had no, no reason to go anywhere else and yeah. everything I needed. But now that I've, I've gone and I, I have connection and I have people and I have faces, um, I am now bound up. My, sh- my shadow is bound with their shadow now. And so we are working together to collectively bridge that gap. Do you think that you, do you think you would suggest that to people who are trying to like maybe do something towards this or maybe, I don't even know your, what would it, I forgot it already again, your um, infrastructure ministry. Yeah. Like, do you think that that's something you would tell people? I think people just want something they can start with that's easy. Yeah. So what would you tell someone would be the easiest thing they could start besides the land acknowledgement? The land acknowledgement. Yeah. That's too easy. Well, not too easy, but we already talked about that. So in, in terms of an actionable step that someone can take, what would you tell them? To go to another neighborhood they haven't been to before Shame- and take the dart? Shameless plug by my book. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, yeah, obviously, buy the book. I, y'all, it's really good though. Full disclosure, the proceeds from the book do go to support Rio Planning, which is a nonprofit uh, planning group, uh, all women-led um, here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they work and they're helping neighborhoods. So if you want some like indirect ways you can help supporting this, like seriously, like buying the book does go to support the work that they're doing. Um but yeah, it is, it is, I like in jest, it's like just knowing and seeking out the information is really the easiest first step because just understanding the histories is. It's a lot. It is a lot in and of itself. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of information, but it sets you up so that when you do feel ready to take that next step of saying like, well, I saw that there's this, I saw in the newspaper, like this neighborhood's fighting something. Um, or like that doesn't seem right. Like if you see like coverage about 10th street in the neighbor or in the, in the newspaper, or if you see something about West Dallas and then they're fighting a shingle factory that's polluting their neighborhood. Um, if you have some more of that context and understanding of what's going on, you may feel a little bit more equipped to reach out to someone because you have some, you're coming to the table with some learning already done. And that's half the battle. That at least gets you there because that's what I did. I didn't know anything about these places, but I did a ton of homework mm-hmm. before I ever reached out to anybody because I wanted to make sure that when I reached out to someone, I knew as much as possible that I could gather during the pandemic <laughs> um, <laughs> about their neighborhood, about their story, about who they were, so that when I reached out to them, I already, I already like, I could already see them. And then once we actually talked and we, we discussed more, it allowed me to engage at a much deeper level with someone. And that's always like, I'm big on connectedness. That's one of my like strengths finders. Top five is connectedness. And so I'm always trying to reach deep connection with someone when I'm with them and like see them and understand them and presence. hear them and listen to them in presence. Presence. Um, Which is another thing we have problems with. Yeah. You it, know? It, it <laughs> absolutely is. Yeah. We, we looking at our phones and we're, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big on that too, you yeah. know, in terms of being present. And it, that's what I'm saying. It's so hard. It's so hard to do that nowadays. Yeah, it is. But I think understanding some of the history. Yeah. We'll check you. We'll, we'll put you will, in your place. It will check you. It will humble you. It will. And it's also the easiest first step you can take to engage in some of this work or your own work on yourself. 
engage in your own personal history and understand where have I come from? What are the things that I've experienced? Part or of that, why do I do that? Why that do way? I do that? Yeah, part of that's just the natural <laughs> process of therapy. <laughs> well, um, there are other there are there, other yeah. you know avenues that you know y'all can take. Whatever yes. works for y'all: life coach, therapist, yeah. uh, journaling, uh, listening to a podcast, reading a book, whatever yes. it is to get that you know self awareness going to it's yeah. it's just it's effort remember y'all effort counts twice it so does. um just making the effort i think i think that's what i'm hoping to promote today is yeah. like just making just one simple action even yeah. if it's within yourself is going to make the world a better place how hippy dippy is that y'all yeah. <laughs> like how just how frou-frou utopian is that but I, I i truly believe that yeah. it keeps me sane i do too it keeps me sane yeah. with everything you know and the more that i the more that i find out you know that kind of thought is like okay it's okay it'll be all right yeah it, it's all gonna work out and i i have a lot of faith in dallas and i do want to tell you the story about and i don't know if it's still there anymore but there's because you know in deep ellum things change yeah like all the time by the day <laughs> But there used to be this place. It could still be there across from the bomb factory called Dots. Dots Hop Dots House. House. Yeah. Okay. So that place used to be, I think it used to be the old Ford factory or, or that building has been there for, I don't yeah. know if it's the, but there is this sign on the wall that uh -huh. they put and it said something like, again, forgive me all for, I, I can't remember it verbatim, but it basically said like Texas was built yeah. without any water around it basically. And it survived. And I was always so proud of that. Mm. I have my picture in front of that sign. Yeah. And now when I read your book, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, maybe I shouldn't be proud of that. Yeah. But there's still a deep sense of part uh, within me that is. Yeah. And also the fact that that building has been there for forever. Right. You know, that building is, then they read, it's a bar now, which I don't, yeah. again, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, but at least they didn't knock it down and build something completely new. Yeah. But again, it's that paradox as like this constant need for growth, this constant mm. need for, and we we are even like that as yeah. human pe as human beings. Absolutely, we always want to grow. We we always want to yep. continue to progress and be the prettiest yeah. person or the the you know be the most in the best shape, the most whatever, in whatever yeah. it is that's important to you. So it's like, how do we check that? Yeah, because that can get out of control, and we can lose sight of what's really important and. I think it always comes back to people, you know? And it's funny too, when I see signs like that or when I see places like that, I, I feel an innate sense of pride, but um, you know, <laughs> if you read, you know, if you, if you find out some of the history, um, you may feel differently. <laughs> you know, you may feel a little tinge of, oh yeah, but this was here or that was there. You know, and it brings back that uh, that sharp reminder that there were sacrifices that were made. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I don't think, like, and it's been painful. And, you know, I'm now, like, several years into into this. Mm -hmm. um, so I always talk about, like, that's several columns ago. Yeah, um, that's cause I've, cool. Because I've, I've grown, I, I, I got that from Rob Bell. Um for anybody who listens to his podcast is great. You just dropped it last week. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that was like two or three columns ago. Um, Cause I've made mistakes and yeah. 
I've changed a lot. And yeah, initially, like, it was really hard for me. Like, I still drive, whenever I drive at Central and Lemon, I can't drive by it without thinking, like, I'm driving about through the space where bodies were laid to rest. Um, but I, there is a twinge of pain, and there's, again, that awareness that that has happened. Mm -hmm. But so much of that now propels me, rather than getting mired down and yeah. depressed, which is how I spent most of my time writing this book and whatever. It was really hard to write the second half, which is like, this is how we like think about moving <laughs> forward. Um, but it now informs so much of how I move forward in the work that I do now. Um, and I'm so grateful for that understanding because it allows me to move forward in a different way than I would have otherwise if I had not connected to the shadow. Um, yeah. And I'm eternally grateful for that, both in myself, in my own shadow, in my connection with myself, but also with the way that I've connected with Dallas's shadow. Yeah. Um, Which is so special because a lot of people is. don't, they have no idea. No. I had no idea. Yeah, and Dallas is special if you just take it at, at face value today. And to me, it's even more special, as painful as it is, it is more special to know the nuance and the context and the ways that things have happened because you understand the injustice, you understand the sacrifices and the ways that people were killed and robbed of their generational wealth and all of that because it allows you to understand that's not what we're gonna do. I, ha I hope so, Colin. I hope so too. I have, I have immense faith in people. I do too. And sometimes that's why I get really disappointed with them because <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Don't no, I am just kidding. Yeah. But it, you know, that holds a lot of that holds a lot of responsibility. It does. The, that faith holds a lot of responsibility because when people come to you, like you said, you got to be prepared for the moment. Yeah. And that moment will arise, I promise you. And it could be in a weird way, shape or form, but I promise that you can have an impact on someone like I, my story about my neighbors, they were, like I said, they were so happy. Yeah. You know, that moment, like me asking them about where they came from and what happened and what it looked like and blah, blah, blah. I probably badgered them to death with questions, but you know, that moment for them, they, like you said, they felt seen. Yeah. And they're, I, I promise you, my lovely listeners, when you do that with someone, it tends to ripple, like Colin said earlier that action there there they will want to do that absolutely and then the next person and then the next yep. person so just keep that in mind and shadow work isn't easy um no it sucks um but understand that that is a part of you mm -hmm. and there's no way that you can well, you can't ignore it. There are people that ignore it. I don't think yeah. they're very healthy people. No. But again, if you want to be a healthy version of yourself, self-actualized, you know, all the things that we've been talking about, you have to understand that your shadow is one of the most powerful forces that you have in your arsenal, right? That you can tap into and really give you that authority to take action in that moment when it counts. So, and create the social matrix. I'm going to go back to that because it's just this whole thing, this, this united front of healed people yeah which is my that's my you know dream my yeah. my you know bunch of healed people creating things from the right space the right place the right foundation and that just 
turning outwards without it being a cult. <laughs> Just going to throw that in there without it being culty or anything. Not going to turn into Waco. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I have. I hope I, I know it's kind of all over the place today, my lovely listeners, in, t- in terms of mindset vocab and just kind of the mindset tools, but really just really building your relationship with your your shadow today. We're going to continue with that kind of theme throughout the month um, just to kind of do the work, what it means, what you're going to get from it. And I will be having other local figures political figures nice um some more entrepreneurs from oak cliff anita and some other people that are going to come on the show and um that work in the local community because i'm a big local person shop local be local live local uh so stay tuned for that but colin you want to say anything else before we do rapid fire you're not getting out of rapid fire I know. As I was just thinking, I was like, I forgot what I was gonna, like. I saw the rapid fire questions, and I was like, I already forgot what I was gonna say. It's okay. That's good. That's fine. It'll be. It'll be. It'll, off the really, be, it'll be really rapid fire. Yeah, it will be. I just can't not give. I can't just dis- not disclose because some people get nervous. It's okay. You know. I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm, give all the information to you. I appreciate that. Not um, everybody does. No, I don't have anything other than. Y'all um, get his book. I'm, I pro- like I promise you, it seems like a little daunting in terms of like everything we've been talking about, but it flows so well. And I think you do such a great job with like, the emotional part of it in terms of people's stories and how important that is. Because I think that really like pulls you in, and you want to mm. know more about progression and timeline, and you know, making you look at Google Maps every ten minutes, <laughs> thinking about. Well, again, if you're from Dallas and you're listening to this podcast and you live in the area. It really kind of pings your your brain, you know, yeah. thinking about like, well, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. So definitely pick it up and also um, follow Colin on social media too, right? You'll be, and because you do a lot of different events around the community. I do. Uh, yeah. Just depending on what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and you usually post, right? I do. Yeah. Mostly in my stories because um, that seems to get a little bit more traction. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know all the social social media algorithms. Um, so it doesn't look like I post much on the grid, but no, it doesn't. Uh, I'm, I'm very active on my story. Okay. Um, that's good to know. I'll, I'll check that out. But yeah, you guys should definitely add Colin. Um, cause um, like I said, he was just at the 10th street. Uh, what was it? It was, it was a press was, conference. It was a press conference. There you yeah. go. So all kinds of things. If you guys are interested in that, make sure to keep up with Colin on social media, buy his book. It's on Amazon, right? On it. And, and uh, whose books? And yeah, I was about to say that. I was like, and if not, not, if you just don't want to click your button, definitely go ch- check out, um, whose books with Claudia and John, you guys know who they are. And if you don't know who they are, go back and listen to the episode, uh, with both of them, uh, with their story, but their books are so awesome. It's yeah. just, it's such a great vibe. It's in Oak Cliff. It's in a book desert, which we talked about on the episode and they're just great people. They really, they really they're just doing such a great job and they're doing so well that they're going to be expanding and yeah. they're helping the community and they're coming from a place of, I don't know, um, healing, love, yeah. compassion, empathy, and it's just, it's working out so well for them. I'm really, really excited for them. It really is. It's cool. It's such a cool place. Definitely check out um, Whose Books. It's off of Polk Street in Oak Cliff, <laughs> not Bishop Arts. <laughs> um, okay, so let's do rapid fire. All right. <clears throat> All right, Colin. So if you could create one rule everyone in the world had to, fo- had to follow, what would it be? Love each other. That's good. Uh, if you lost everything tomorrow, what would be the first thing that you do? Go for a run. You go for a run? I'll go for a run. Okay. You're, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. You're one of those people? I'm one of those people. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and then what are your three L's? Uh, so what do you want to learn this year? What do you want to launch this year? And what are you going to love more of this year? I'm going to do them out of order, if that's okay. Yeah, you can do them however you okay. want to do them. Um, well, I'm going to launch uh, my own business. Okay. Um, so consulting and helping people take action. Um, Yay, that's yeah. so good, Colin. Yeah, yeah. Um, launch. Uh, that learn, was wrong. Okay, so love. learn, learn, and love. Um, love is. Um, I'm going to try and love more of people outside of my neighborhood. Um, I'm really working hard this year to focus on um, creating really deep, loving connections across the city. And what I'm trying to learn, I don't know. I do so You're much. I do lot. so much learning, like every day, like as a PhD student. It's like. <laughs> You don't want to learn anything. I don't want to learn anything learn, else. And like you don't want to learn anything else doing, this year. I just want to watch Netflix. I'm just doing so much <laughs> learning every day. That's good though. Yeah. So I'm learning about things like resilience and urban governance and how to change political systems so that it creates more procedural justice. Would you run for government? Mm, probably not. Never know. I don't know. It feels weird. Would you ever go back to being a... Uh, like a like an engineer that builds. No, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the right word, how to, the right way to say it. Build stuff. I mean, that's <laughs> too simple. Or design stuff to be built. There we go. There you go. I don't know if I would go back to design engineering. Um, I think I I feel called to work with people who are doing that work. Okay. To help them create change in their spaces. Okay. And because I can speak that language and I understand what it's like to be an engineer, I can help connect to them and connect to architects and connect to engineers and urban planners all together right yeah because those are all those are all, all different er, there's those are all different things right I'm all assuming. different things and they all work in the same places um so yeah but it would be being able to being able to work with them um i can engineer but i don't really identify as an engineer um so you identify as a minister of engineering. I see, I see myself as engineer adjacent. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a pretty viable uh, avenue to make change if, you know, yeah. you're making the decisions. But like you said, are you making the decisions or not, you know? Yep, and engineers are the most powerful people in the design process. They're the project managers. They hold all the power. Oh, um, I should have been an engineer then. So it's not... It's not, it's it's not, not fun? It's not a lot of fun. It's not? No. It seems like a lot of fun. I mean, it depends. Okay. I, mean, I made it a lot of fun because I was always at like, well, if we're building a pipeline, I'm going to be in the ditch next to the pipe. Like, I'm going to be out there. Yeah. So that, 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 that is fun. But some people just sit in an office. And okay. It can be soul crushing. I'm <laughs> I, 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 to, I, to, I understand Which I'm that. sure some people may be able to identify with. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm sure <laughs> that resonates with some people. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last thing I have to ask you, just generally, this is really mainly for me yeah. and my mom too. I just, what's your opinion about HOAs? Generally, wow. just like if wow. you could, if you could describe HOAs, well, I mean, like one word, like what would you say? That's like a whole other podcast. It is a whole other podcast. I have a lot of feelings about HOAs. Like, are you have mixed feelings? More negative than more positive? Neg more negative. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I grew up outside of an HOA. Um, and I see HOAs, yeah, they're, 
they control a lot of things. Yes. And it depends on who's in control and a small group of people control a whole neighborhood. Um, but I do appreciate, like I live in an HOA condo now and it's kind of nice to have my water and gas like mixed in with my HOA fee. Um, but it also does increase just the cost of living by a lot. Okay. Um, it's extra, it's extra money on top of it's a lot of extra money. It's a lot of extra money on top. It's a lot of, of extra money. I'm just curious because I'm, you know, I run my HOA where yeah. I'm at. And Woo! so I have to see. And that's how you create change people in your Well, I, you know what likes <laughs> me because I actually enforce the rules. <laughs> and then I'm like, I used to think that that was good. I'm like, am I enforcing rules that are just, I'm not going to be proud of in 10 years? I'm like, no, that's not. I just want you to pay your dues. Like, that's all I care about. Uh, but I realized just all of the mechanics on the other yeah. side of that. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot of money going yeah. to different entities based off of just this extra thing yeah on top of my mortgage on top of my homeowner's insurance on yeah. top of my maintenance yeah the this is a whole nother thing and yeah. i'm like why why can't i just be responsible for my own yeah thing my own I'll take care of everything. I don't need yeah. an HOA. Anyways, it's a whole thing. And I've come across a lot of people who've had a lot of problems with their HOA. Yeah. Well, a maybe, lot of problems. Well, maybe you can set a trend on an HOA that creates a new model. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to have to go and do all my homework because I think someone asked me the other day, well, why do we have HOAs? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I have to go and do all that first before I can give you any information. I'm not, I'm not going to answer a question I don't know the answer to. That's good. You know, so, uh, but still, it's it, you got to know where it comes from and I'm a little scared to go down that road That's okay. <laughs> on top of this book yeah, because I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of, actually my friend told me that HOAs were mainly used to um, control uh -huh. the type of people that yep. were yeah, moving exact, into that particular neighborhood exactly and what, right. they, what they could or could not do. Um, but now it's, you know. It's about as good as a restrictive covenant <sighs> piece of land. Yeah. So I just wondered what you thought. Yeah. All right, y'all. We've gone way like it's like we're just kind of just sitting here chit chatting while we're doing the episode. But that's all I have for y'all, my lovely listeners. I I hope the episode resonated with you. Uh, please uh, buy Colin's book, prefer preferably from whose books. Uh, check it out. Check out Oak Cliff. Uh, what Oak Cliff has to offer. One of my favorite neighborhoods in Dallas, truly. Uh, and make sure to add overshare on all of the social media things. I know I've been kind of quiet, y'all, but. I just get so I uh, y'all know how I feel about the 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 promoting of social media and having to get my stuff out there if I could just sit here and talk for forever I would um, but make sure you check us out we're gonna have some more episodes uh, this month as uh, within the same vein and add Colin and I really hope that you guys enjoyed what we talked about today i did i did too i loved it i love all of it i'm I geek so, out. Gr so grateful i for geek the conversation. out i geek out over all of this stuff and knowing what where i come from what i've been a part of for yeah. the last 30 years and uh it just makes me feel more connected to the community so i hope you guys check it out and i hope you guys make that connection as well so okay uh with that said, my lovely listeners, the light within me honors the light within you and make sure that you have a wonderful, wonderful week and remember to always speak your truth fiercely and with vulnerability.